Go Your Own Way is brought to you by Overmental.com, the media culture hive mind. Enjoy the adventure. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Go Your Own Way, the podcast where every episode is a fancy feast. <laughs> this is your host, Peter, and I'm joined by two other people, Jen. Yo. And Eric. Hello. This week, Jen chose the story. <laughs> she spent the painstaking five hours finding this one. <laughs> Something like that, sure. We'll go with it. <laughs> what did you choose, Jen? And I'm I, I'm legitimately asking because I don't know what you chose. I chose Sanity in Turmoil by Lovely Rita. Sounds slightly ominous, doesn't it? It does. All right. Well, um, the description is the world, or at least England, has started to go downhill. A bad government party got into power, left the country in a mess, and no one was reelected because it was a hung parliament. Coalition was refused, and now there is no one in charge. And now, all sorts of things are going on. Fights breaking out in cities between rival gangs with opposing views on how to sort this all. Hyperinflation. And we've been booted out of Europe, so no help there. One gang, the only peaceful gang in the country, is determined to survive and gather followers. Many people are as yet undecided as to who do they follow, and this new group, Sanity, want to influence them. Every day on the streets is a battle. The group are in hiding at nights, like most people, because now all police are corrupt. They beat people in the streets if they don't think the same way as them. There's no room for fear. You need to be tough. Will you survive? That's odd that we have to be tough and there's no room for fear, even though we're the only peaceful gang in the country. Nonviolence is one-sided, Peter. Yeah. The point of nonviolence is that you get the shit kicked out of you and people see the strength of your ability to endure and join your cause. Nonviolence has actually failed if the other side is not incited to violence. Also, <laughs> if you had read that to me, well, I mean, reading that now, I would think this was somehow a satirical take on Brexit. But, yeah. <laughs> like, but this is years and years before this Brexit. This was way this before Brexit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alright, let's get started. Let's do it. Your mother calls you down to dinner. She's made her famous lasagne. <laughs> I, I, I don't like when people spell lasagna like that, even though it's probably the correct way to spell it. Maybe it's like the British way of spelling it. Wait a minute. How do you spell lasagna? With, ending with an A, not an E. That's what? Yeah, that's the right way is with an A. Who spells it with an E? Have I been spelling lasagna wrong this whole time? No. You spell it with of, an E? No, a lot of people do spell it with an E. I'm just doing a quick search. It seems like... Oh, wait. <laughs> wait. 
Keep reading. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do some research. All right. Well, it's famous to you. All right. As you walk down the stairs, you feel the warmth of the kitchen and your mother's love embrace you. Your family are sitting at the table waiting for you. Mother wearing a blue checked blouse and jeans complete with an apron. You're lucky, you think, as you see how beautiful she is. The image of you. Her dark curls are scooped up into an untidy bun, and gleaming blue eyes gaze at you from her pale, flawless face, where her sweetheart lips are curved into a smile. Your dad is seated next to her, distinguished with his ash-blonde hair and mustache, tinged with gray at the corners, like ash at the edge of a burning pitcher. His kind and crinkled brown eyes smile at you. Your little sister Jeanette is seated with him, her caramel hair swinging in a straight line near her shoulders, and her crisp blue eyes blink innocently. Your mother pats the chair next to her. Come on, Ismay, it'll get cold. We've been waiting for you. Oh God, I'm so sorry. That was an awful British accent. <laughs> you know, I was gonna say, aren't you supposed to read this whole thing in a British accent? But I'm not reading because... the whole thing. I'm just voices. Okay, <laughs> I can't do a British accent for that long, and clearly, I can't do a British accent at all. Um, so anyway, you sit and enjoy your meal. Five years later. It's a, uh, it's a long meal. It's a lot of lasagna. Oh, that's the famous lasagna. It takes five years to eat. Right. <laughs> five-year lasagna. Five-year lasagna. Um, just going to yeah. interject here. Um, apparently, lasagna with an A at the end Yes. is the North American uh, spelling. Everyone else in the world spells it with an E at the end. Oh. What? So, we are the weird ones. Okay, well, mm. whatever, British people. Oh, interesting. In Italian, lasagna with an A is the singular, and lasagna right. with an E is the plural. Right. Oh, okay. okay. So how many lasagnas is this lady eating? Apparently several. <laughs> All right, well, five years later, late one night, you're up late. Why? question mark and we can choose i went out with my friends or i had a movie marathon with my cat and some popcorn (laughs) i can tell you which is more realistic i can tell you exactly which one is more realistic Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think we're all gonna pick cat with popcorn oh hell yes Well, if you listen closely, I think that answers itself. Oh, kitty. (laughs) You started off with a few childhood classics. Lady and the Tramp, 101 Dalmatians, even Mosters, Inc. (laughs) I love Mosters, Inc. Then then moved on to some chick flicks, including Mean Girls, such a cool film. And finish with a couple of historical ones, your favorites being The Other Boleyn Girl and My Name is Charlotte Gray. Do you do this often? Stay in with your family or on your own? Or is this a one-off? Our choices are, no, duh. Obviously, I was watching with a six-pack of beer, just recovering from last night. Check out what I did. And the next one is, yeah, but I have friends too. I'm not a wild child. (laughs) I'm a little confused by those answers 
Also, so who I think we, the who, first who one is no, we don't. I I don't know who we're, who, we're who's asking to. these questions. We don't know. I think we're we're establishing our character. I guess we yeah. had a pretty long food coma after that five year lasagna. I guess so. Kind of trying to remind ourselves who we are. And I mean, we watched like eight movies in a row. In whose imagination is watching like eight movies in a row and drinking a six pack a a wild child? <laughs> I feel like maybe you need to be acquainted with some real wild children if that's your outlook. <laughs> also, I don't know if a six pack would last me the course of eight movies. Right. That too. That too. Clearly, this person has no idea how to drink. Or be wild. <laughs> but they know how to watch movies. Just not how to spell them. <laughs> um, so are we a wild child or no? I mean, should we stay like the not. watching movies and hanging out with our cat course? Yeah. I kind of feel like we should. Yeah. So clearly it's the we're not wild childs. Or children. Embrace the kitty. Embrace the kitty in yourself. <laughs> Being the culturally sophisticated person that you are, you pick up the newspaper and read it in bed. You see the front page immediately. Emblazoned across the page are the words, Depression Strikes. You can't put the paper down. You have to keep reading. Panic runs through your veins like blood rushing Hyperinflation, unemployment, and tensions within Europe are all contributors to the oncoming crisis. You don't sleep that night. Oh. The next we hit straight and narrow. So just like checking Twitter before you go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and realizing that the world is a terrible place. Rise. <laughs> oh my god. Twitter makes the world look so much more awful than it is. Not yeah, that the world seriously. isn't awful, but Twitter magnifies it. You're good of heart, and you love your family, Esme Levinson. You like talking to your mother, going shopping with her, cooking. You have your disputes, sure, but because of your close bond, everything gets sorted easily. You get your intelligence from her. You get along great with your dad, often joking, teasing your mother, and listening to music together. You can tell him things that you don't feel comfortable talking to your mom about. He's firm with you, but it's helped you to become responsible, and you've got all your ambition from him. Your sister drives you crazy, but that's just because she's your sister. As she's only two years younger than you, Jeanette often proves herself as a good companion and confidant. Your family bond is strong, but it's also made you innocent to most things. You've had a sheltered life. You're intelligent and have a good unit of friends that help support you through thick and thin. You're pretty. You have your mother's chestnut curls that bounce at your chin. Not to mention her button nose and a dusting of freckles that you picked up from your maternal grandmother. Your father's kind eyes peep out from a fringe of sooty lashes, and your big smile also comes from him. You're not overly tough because of your sheltered upbringing, but you can cook, clean, sew, and be a mother in general. The future will hit you hardest of all because of this. That is... Less than dun dun dun. <laughs> All right, one year on, darting from wreck to wreck, you look over your shoulder constantly. 
There are plenty of places to hide in this wasteland that used to be your home. That is good news for you, yes, but also for your attackers. Any minute, a rival gang could appear to injure or kill you. Everyone knows who you are now. You're one of the peaceful ones. You're part of sanity. For now, your main aim is to get to the base without being killed first. Only one way to do that, and that is to leg it. Past the smashed up shops and abandoned houses, the potential attackers. You have been pretty lucky so far. No one has pursued you. That is about to change. A huge guy, three times your size if he's an inch. His menacing grin terrifies you, but what strikes most fear into your heart are his arms. Tattoos of the sign of dragon people, a rival group famed for violence, cover those muscular trunks. What will you do? We can either flirt with him, he might spare me. Fight him, he may be strong, but I have a knife in my sock. Flee, run, I can't take him on. Or surrender, I've had enough. Sock knife! <laughs> sock knife? Yep. I'm on the side of sock knife. What do you say, Peter? It's hard to argue with a sock knife. Right? Peaceful is a relative term. You gotta be able to defend yourself. Self-defense, right? Mm-hmm. You need more than just those brown curls. <laughs> you need some fight in you. <laughs> All right, let's try sock knife. Kneeing the massive guy in the groin, you watch with glee as he doubles over and you retrieve your knife from your sock. With one quick move, you stab him in the side and dart out of the way, hissing timber under your breath. You run swiftly back to base. We did it! We lived! Yay, sock knife. You won the story, listener. The walls are still standing, just barely. Just enough to hide the hole in the corner that leads to the passage, that leads to the basement. It's a bad part of town, but shelter is decent for a night or two, as long as it isn't raining, for a family looking for somewhere to sleep. You can just crawl through the passage into Sanity's base if you avoid the fingers of wood and metal that grasp at your clothes. Get through fast before the dust stings your eyes and chokes you. The rooms are primitive, with just a few chairs, a table, a toilet, a bathtub, a few cushions, a tap, and a basic stove. Some blankets replace beds, though someone managed to grab a mattress from somewhere. Half walls separate some parts into rooms. It's probably a good thing that Chris, leader of this branch of sanity, found you on the way home. You got some bread, stale, from somewhere, and makes you some toast. So we can learn more about Chris... Or we can dream of home. Seems like learning more about Chris is the more prudent choice, right? Probably, yeah. Chris sounds like a nice boy. He got us some bread. Yeah. And he's making us toast. He's feeding us. (laughs) You'd found sanity through an old friend who signed you up and introduced you to Chris. After performing the secret knock, Chris had opened the door, and for a moment you could only stare at him. His high and chiseled cheekbones were ivory, elfin, and with a, just a light circular blush. His hair, straight and short at the sides and longer, slightly curled at the top, was ebony, contrasting with his skin. Ice-blue eyes stared from under a fringe of long black lashes, his nose molded to perfection and delicate, 
and his defined cupid's bow sitting atop a full lower lip. I just want to say this author is super good at describing people. Mm-hmm. Right? I think definitely, like, head and shoulders above probably almost anybody else we've read. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Get in. He grasped your arm and pulled you and your friend into the base. Make no noise. And you didn't. You were entranced completely as he shut the door above that you'd just been pulled through by his muscular arms. Over the next few weeks, you get to know Chris better. He's an orphan from up north. No siblings, no family. The only original member of Sanity left. He enjoys sports, but also likes reading and was a good pupil at school. Despite his sporting prowess, he was bullied at school. Never exactly a ladies' man, even branded geek, nerd, and outcast. This was mainly because of his weight, which he struggled with in his younger years. It's obvious that this isn't a problem now, as you discovered when... We can either walk on, in on this guy in the bath or, ch- or have him change his top in front of us. Oh, I like, I vote for bath. Oh, yeah. You were never one to knock before entering unless you heard something. The bathroom was quiet. You needed to retrieve your hairbrush, one of the few things you'd salvage from your house before everything happened and your life was ruined. The second you opened the door, you heard an irritated shout of, Hey! And saw Chris, lathering up in the tub. His face displayed irritation as he stood there staring at his bare torso. Six-pack, pecs, smooth porcelain skin rippling over his muscles perfectly. Black curled hair spread across his chest evenly. Do you mind? I'm a little busy here. He seems pensive, understandably. So we can either leave him to his bath silently, we can tease him gently, or we can go over and kiss that hottie. That's being a little bit forward. Yeah, it is. I mean, if pensive isn't an invitation for kisses, what is? I vote kisses. Kisses. All right, YOLO. YOLO. (laughs) That's right. I mean, we're probably not going to die from that. Probably not. It seems unlikely. Ignoring him, you fly across the room, unable to contain yourself and your desires any longer. You want him. You need him. You must have him. His eyes almost pop out of his head when you put one hand on the back of his neck and pull him towards you, locking lips tenderly. Though surprised, Chris is all too happy to reciprocate, putting a warm, wet hand on your shoulder and pulling you down so neither of you have to bend your necks as much. Yes, there's passion there, but your kiss is sweet, loving, gentle. This carries on for a while, a few minutes at least, before you both pull back for breath. Well... So, I, um, where did that come from, Esme? He asked, panting a little. So, we can say that it's just a little fun, no biggie, and leave him with a shrug. We can say, because I like you, Chris, and I wanted to see if you liked me too. Or, we can say, I think I'm falling in love with you, I couldn't help myself. Middle one. Yeah, I feel like the middle option is... Middle, yes. Yeah. We still like him without being... Without like, being too forward, like, I love you! Yeah, right. it's a little, bit, a little bit much at this stage. 
seems like. We barely know the dude, so so let's go with the like. While awaiting his answer as he ponders this with a dazed look set on his face, your heart speeds up until it's thumping at least ten times faster than usual. Finally, after a wait of forever, Chris turns to you with a soft smile and tucks your hair behind your ear. I do like you, Esme. A lot. His whisper is husky. You have no time to respond before he pulls you in for another kiss. Ten minutes later, you leave. Chris following a few minutes later. Neither of you can stop smiling. Nice. Aww. That worked out nicely. Adorbs. You find yourself thinking of home, your family. The government had adopted a new policy, survival of the fittest. They'd drop random bombs, and whoever got out got to, <laughs> got the live. Damn. Got the live. Got the live. That is emphatically hmm. not how that works. <laughs> they thought this would help for some reason. More food for those who could deal with the hell they inflicted. More jobs. More money. It was a ridiculous idea. The country was devastated. Whole families left grieving. But that would never happen to you, would it? When the first bomb hit your house, you'd been in the middle of an average family dinner. Your mom had made vegetable soup. You'd the same meal for weeks. All you could afford on your father's petty salary, cut by two-thirds of what it once was. Prices had quadrupled in a year, so food wasn't readily available. In fact, it still isn't. But you were happy together. Jeanette had managed to finish her last set of exams before the school closed and had taken a job as a secretary in one of the last remaining office buildings, working for a pittance but doing her bit. You were a waitress back then. The restaurant you worked in used to be one of the most exclusive ones in town. Now is the only one in town, serving burgers and hot dogs. You hated to see it this way. The only waitress there was you. Most days it was just you, the cook, and perhaps a couple of customers. The manager was now the cook. The atmosphere of the place made you sad. It was once so beautiful, swanky, now reduced to a hovel, a shell of its former self. You'd been chatting happily with your family, all things considered, when you heard a whistling sound, followed by a deafening crash, followed by screams. Ground shaking, your father instinctively yelled for all of you to get under the stairs. They did. You didn't. Behind you, your mother was screaming hysterically, hysterically for you to get back. Jeanette was crying your name. Your father just watched you. He knew you wouldn't go without a good reason. You had talked about the depression with your friends for months. There was little else to talk about and had made a plan to meet as soon as anything substantial happened. In your books, a bomb was substantial. Your friends obviously agreed. They were waiting for you by the petrol station toilets. Crying with relief at seeing you sprinting, unhurt, one of them was missing. Where's Caitlin? Mel looked to Charlotte, hoping she would explain, lip trembling. Charlotte looked to Allie, willing her to speak. Allie looked to you, tears in her eyes. I don't know. We don't know, Esme. She just isn't here. The pain in your gut felt like a knife. No, Caitlin was a strong one. She kept you all sane. She couldn't just be gone. No, not Caitlin. Caitlin with her inside jokes and impressions so bad they were almost good. Caitlin with her quiet, intelligent, and boisterous manner. 
Caitlin with her infectious laugh and consoling hugs. Not Caitlin, you'd said to yourself. Not her. Ever the level-headed one, Charlotte spoke up. We have to split up like we agreed. Caitlin's as tough as old boots. It's too dangerous to go and look for her. Remember, we're making our way to Dover as soon as possible, and we'll tough it out until everyone's there. If we wait more than a month, anyone there has to go. You know what to do. All of you put your hands in the middle, and you looked around at the almost complete circle of friends in front of you, blinking away the beads of salty tears that were gathering fast behind your eyes. Mel, Charlotte, Allie, I just want you to know, before we go... Your friends were misty-eyed as they paused to look at you. It seemed silent, but despite the sounds of chaos that were echoing around you. If you're late to Dover, I'm gonna flipping murder you! All of you laughed bitterly and had a quick group hug, even Charlotte, often joked to be allergic to emotion. Then you went your separate ways, unsure if you'd ever see each other again. That was a year ago. It's been a year since you promised to meet your friends in Dover as soon as possible. You have to decide, will you stay or will you go? If you stay, you'll have to rough it out here at Sanity HQ. You've made a few friends, but it's dangerous. You're under threat every day. Although if you do stay, you'll have a place to call your own if the country ever gets back on its feet. Is it worth it? If you go to Dover, you'll hopefully be reunited with all your old friends, and you should be able to carry out the rest of your plan to get to the safe shores of France on the next boat. There's a crossing every now and then, usually about once a month, hence why you and your friends agreed to stay for a month and then get on the next boat with whoever was there, that you should be able to afford. For months, you've saved up meager amounts, some that you brought from your old waitressing job at home and then added to it. Most of the money was stolen. You found that your stealth made you a good pickpocket. And some earn from selling bits and pieces from your personal possessions. If you do try to make it to Dover, you could get attacked on the way there. And even if you do get there, your friends will probably not be there, and there's no guarantee of catching a boat. But even then, your life there won't be much different from here. You've adapted. You can survive there, but you won't have the support of sanity, and maybe not even your friends. Is it worth it? What will you choose? So we can choose to stay, or we can choose to go. I'm kind of leaning towards stay on this one. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, we've got Chris, we've got Sanity. That paragraph isn't really selling me on our possibilities of getting to France, or France being any better than where we're at. Like, Is Europe better than England at this point? Right. I mean... That's true, we won't have Chris. We could try to get Chris to go with us. Ooh, he could carry us on his shoulders. <laughs> his beefy, hairy shoulders. Oh, God. The chest hair. I'm kind of leaning toward going, just because I... For sake of not staying in our comfort zone and getting out there for an adventure. Mm. Like Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. Maybe I'll let Jen be the tiebreaker here. You want me to be the tiebreaker? Okay. I think we should go. Clearly, life isn't getting any better here. If we go, we've got a shot. 
and we if we take Chris with us, then we if, really got a shot. What if we can't though? <sighs> Would you still want to go if Chris couldn't come with us? Mm, yeah, because French boys. <laughs> I've always wanted to have a nice boy speak random words of French in my ear while feeding me grapes. Right, so you've always always wanted to bang a French dude. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> not sugar-coated too much. <laughs> Hopefully with chest hair. Right. I, I'm enjoying that at the beginning of the story we were like, well, yeah, realistically, I'm going to stay home with my cat. And now we're just... Being like, okay, full, full fantasy here. Well, well I mean, we're go? putting ourselves in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Right? If the government doesn't give a shit and is just bombing for the yeah. fun of it, then clearly we need to get out of that country. Mm. We could swim the channel. Eh. Or Chris can swim it while we ride on his back. There that we go. Too. Maybe he can fart us across, Swiss Army Man style. <laughs> all right so let's go let's do it the question is now are you going to go alone or will you take chris oh. with you well there you go okay so the first one is of course i'll ask him he's my friend he'll get along with my friends the second one is, I can't bear to leave him i love him i need him and the third one is no way i have to escape that clingy weirdo what has he done to make him a clingy weirdo? Maybe that's like another like branch. Like you can do something to make him a clingy weirdo. Alright. I mean I feel like the middle option is the is, more honest option. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even though we were leaning away from that before, I think really a big part of us going was because we need Chris. To come with us. Yeah, I think so. I'm glad they're giving us the choice, though. That's nice. Right? All right. We're going to leave with our lover. One night when night has fallen. That just is redundant. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you sit and wait up for Chris to come in. He has been on guard, making sure no one comes near the entrance. At midnight, you hear his weary footsteps trudging down the passage and stand. He offers you a weak smile. Esme, why are you still up? I've been waiting for you. Chris, you're exhausted. You put, your, her, you put her arms around him and he rests his head on her shoulder. I don't think I can do this anymore. I can't stay up all night and work all day. I just can't, but I have to. On the verge of tears, his voice cracks, and you seize the opportunity to ask him, Come away with me. Chris, confused, looks at you with a frown, so you explain. A year ago, when this was first starting, I promised my friends that I'd meet them in Dover, and we'd flee to France as soon as we could. I can't stand the thought of leaving you, but they're my friends. I want to go to them. This place is driving me insane. I love you too much to leave you. Will you come with me to France? Everything's fine there. We can start a new life. Please, Chris, please. Startled, Chris considers this. 
I love you too, so much, but I'm the leader of sanity. I can't just go, can I? Roger will take over. He's almost on the same level as you now, and he can cope with all of this strain. With a quick nod and smile, Chris leans in and presses his lips to yours, making you see stars, fireworks, your future together. You leave together the next morning. It's a dangerous journey, though you wouldn't regret taking it at all. After traveling for three days, you're still only halfway there. Stopping in the remains of an inn, you're soon aware that you aren't alone there. While Chris is looking around, someone scuttles out of the shadows in front of you with a broad smile, one that you return before you can scream. Caitlin! You squeal, hurtling toward each other colliding in the middle and hugging each other so tight that between the embrace and the tears that restrict your breathing, you almost choke. Where have you been, Muppet? Where were you? Breaking down into sobs, both of you sit on the floor. Chris returns, gun drawn. When he sees you talking to the newcomer, he lowers in, but just slightly. Chris, Chris, this is Caitlin. I told you about her on the way here, you know, the lost friend. Caitlin, this is Chris, my, uh... I'm her boyfriend. Nice to meet you, Caitlin. Whoa there with the labels. <laughs> <laughs> right, even a, in a post-apocalypse. You gotta cling to the old labels of the old world. Yep. He settles down next to you, still slightly wary, but slowly becoming at ease with her as Caitlin tells her tale. When the bombs dropped, I was just sort of stuck in the rubble of my house. By the time I'd freed myself, I knew you'd have met and split up again already. There was no point looking for you, so I went southeast, settling in a colony of peace-loving protesters, a group called Sanity. We're from Sanity! Chris was the leader of our branch, you exclaim with the enthusiasm of a schoolgirl. <laughs> no way! Wow! Excitedly, Caitlin claps her hands under her chin, her eyes ecstatic and glowing. Even Chris looks happy now. Southeast, the Hucklestone branch? That's the one! Anyway, just recently I got sick of my life there. I missed you all too much. I took my chances and set off for Dover. That's where I'm off to now. Us too, Chris is coming with me. Blushing, you tried to ignore the look Caitlin's giving you. The same look she used to give you whenever a skull crush walked past. Within three days, you, Caitlin, and Chris have arrived in Dover, deciding to sit and wait by the port. A boat comes in a week. Though it's been hard, you have survived and get to France safely. In Calais, there are four familiar faces working at the docks, all surprisingly good at French. They forget their duties when they see you. Charlotte, Mel, and Allie rush at both you and Caitlin, while your sister Jeanette watches on, hugging you when they've finished. All is explained on their lunch break. You live happily ever after with your new husband Chris and children, Willow and Peter. Your parents visit often, as do your friends and their children and husbands, as does your sister. Congratulations, you've achieved the perfect ending. Woo! Yes! We did it! I expect no less from us. That's right. Nothing less than perfection. Although, really, perfection would probably have been a nice French boy. But Chris is pretty good. He's got chest hair, and he's kind of nerdy. 
Think of it this way, Jen. All of our friends learned to be surprisingly good at French. So who's to say Chris can't do that too? Oh, good point. That way we can have the British accent when we want it and the French accent when we want it. Best of both worlds. That's true. Plus, if he used to be Uh, chubby, he's probably really good at oral sex. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, listen. If you're chubby listeners, you can tell. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Or if you're really good at oral. (laughs) Jeez. Um, That ending came a lot faster than I thought it would. I thought we were only like halfway through. I did too. Um, But... That was still well written. I enjoyed that. And I don't see any particular reason to go back if we got the perfect ending. No, we got the perfect ending. I think we're good. Yeah. Well, listeners, here's another perfect ending for you. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash G-Y-O-W podcast. If you really want to, you can tell us if you're chubby and good at oral sex, but you don't have to tell us that. You can always message us privately if you want to tell us that. <laughs> or you can t- tell us on Twitter uh, at GoYourOwnWayPod. I assume Twitter has some kind of private messaging system, but I don't know. It Eric can tell us. Well, there you go. Slide up into our DMs, listeners. That Those, those were words. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. So thanks for listening. For more original podcasts, videos, and pop culture news, visit Overmental.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>